You're listening to the Global Inclusion and Practice Podcast, sharing the stories of DEI changemakers around the world. Vivian Aqua and Marjolein Vlug bring you behind-the-scenes stories and kitchen table conversations about the personal perspectives of DEI professionals, representatives, advocates, and allies, talking about what matters in this work and what sustains us in creating lasting change. There are many of us working on creating a more inclusive world. Let's share our stories. We're in this together. Welcome, Matthew, to the Global Inclusion in Practice podcast. And we are so excited to have you as a guest. And I am curious, who is Matthew Reynolds? Can you share something about yourself for the listeners that don't know you and the listeners who might know you? Who is Matthew Reynolds? Thank you so much for having me here, first and foremost. I am just in the last five years really finding out who Matthew Reynolds is. The authentic me has been dampened by all kinds of indoctrinations and all kinds of internalized racial oppressions, trying to please other people, please mom and dad, do this for them and that for the other, so on and so forth. And so over the last three or four, four or five years, I should say, I've been called a change catalyst, an equity seeker, a belonging builder, a warrior of justice, a liberation and freedom guide, human spirit amplifier. But I think the one that I really have been embracing lately is that I'm a world creator. I am here to help create a world that is humanity-led. And that's what we do. Well, everyone who was wondering why Vivian said we're excited to have you, this is exactly why. Thanks for that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you. We're all giggly because we're really happy to make this episode together. What is one key thing that you would like our listeners to know about you in addition to all of those cool things? I think that I really want the listeners who are listening right now to know to never put me on any kind of pedestal, that we stand, we all stand in a circle together, that I truly don't believe in a hierarchical system in any way, shape, or form. I'm all about us being able to see each other's reactions, responses, to be able to grab and hold each other's hands or hold each other up if need be. And I really want people to know that about myself. I don't want to be somebody's sacred cow, right? I want everybody to understand their power, recognize it within themselves, and to expand that power into their biggest, fullest, and brightest self. You always have a way with words and you're making it hard for me to do this interview, to be the host, because I always love listening to whatever you have to say, because you have a way with words, but also your calmness and the way you bring it. It's it's making me not be in my role right now as a host, but let me let me go into <laughs> and that's and that's and that's a really valuable aspect of being a DEI professional. You have, it's important to bring a story. It's important to have, craft your story in your own words, but also have a way to activate people, right? So the question that I want to ask, ask you before I was mesmerized and, and, and hypnotized by what you were sharing, I wanted to know, who is your DEI role model? And why this person? So my DEI role model are the Mm -hmm. people who are actually stepping into the work. 
and I say work with a capital W. So mm -hmm. for me, there are, there are those of us out there who are practitioners of this work, who are mm -hmm. offering this work, who have accessibility and justice, belonging as part of that EDI or DEI. And for me, it really is the person who steps into their fear of looking into the mirror and really looking and finding their authentic self out and going, yeah, how much of my thinking is my thinking and recognizing how they've been bamboozled a lot of times or indoctrinated a lot of times, socialized into what the dominant culture wants to say they are. And when we start to unpack that, the folks who are willing to unpack that, those are the people that I'm impressed with. Those are the people that I want to like continue to be inspired by, sparked by, and want to continue to support in whatever I way that. I can. I love that. Yeah. But I'm also thinking about if you could name maybe two or three people that are globally known, who would you name? That are globally known? Yeah, or at least globally, internationally. Who are the names that you would pick? I would pick Malcolm X and I would pick Nelson Mandela. Those would be the two that first come to mind. And then Fannie Lou Hamer, Nina I know him. I do know her. Fannie Lou Hamer was right before Nina Simone and a yeah. musician as well. And she's known for, so see, and this is what I mean. Yeah. There are folks out there. I've had, I have a clubhouse room called mm -hmm. Liberated DEI. Yeah. And in that room, I've had conversation with people who practice DEI, EDI, mm -hmm. JEDI. And mm -hmm. there's, I'm finding that there's this multifacetedness to it. Some people who come from it or come at it, I should say, from a justice and social perspective, and those who come at it from an economic perspective. And I find that when I've had people from those two perspectives in the room, they don't necessarily agree on a lot of stuff. I think that that's kind of something that the dominant culture uses the divide and conquer and kind of starts to separate it out. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's like, I wouldn't necessarily call myself EDI professional. I personally find the word professional or professionalism to yeah. be weaponized here in the United States mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. used in ways to uphold patriarchy, yeah. to uphold hierarchical systems. And so uh, it's language that it really comes down to. So there have been so many influences in my life that have really done a lot for humanity. And that's where my work comes from. When I say that I'm equity-based, I'm humanity-led-based. Meaning if yeah, I'm coming to your organization and there's language that's dehumanizing, and we're only looking at the metrics and not looking at the people behind those yeah. metrics and who's creating them, then that's where we need to start. We need to start there, and we need to be more humanity-led. All that productivity and those numbers, they can drop down to third, fourth, or fifth thing that you're, you want to be working on. Number one, two, and three should be human and the, the, hum, the human beings that are working for you or in your organization. I do have a, a follow-up question because earlier you mentioned that people that are 
driven by the economics. Can you, do you mind sharing some context? Because I, I think I know, but you know, assumption is the root of all evil, right? So we have to make sure that we have the context clear. <laughs> I think that some people, they feel that the way they're going to shift things from that social justice or justice perspective mm -hmm. is if we go at it from an economic standpoint. But capitalism, and we see how it's ruining the world, we see how dehumanizing it can be, right, with child labor laws and the way that that's been, CO2 and the footprint that that has on the planet, all of those things, if we're only looking at it from that perspective, that right. economic, financial perspective, we lose the human. There's no humanity to it. So you, you if you want to call it justice or social justice and those folks do those things kind of stuff. You can, I choose to call it humanity led. I choose to call it getting back to the fact that we as human beings are not allowed to expand into our biggest, fullest and brightest because we're tied so closely with having to have some kind of financial gain or some kind of finances to be able to put food on the table, a roof over the head kind of thing and be able to have basic health care. It takes money to do those things. And so money then now has a power, a mm -hmm. made-up fake power that we've given to it. And this is my judgment. And so when I've had people who say, no, people only listen to money, they only talk about those kinds of things, eh, I don't necessarily subscribe to that ideology. Yeah. I wouldn't find a new way to talk about it. Yeah, short term, that may get people into action, but long term, you're missing the point, right? Yeah. And or people are burnt out, fried yeah. out, emotionally yeah. and physically. You end up in a worse place. Yes. Thanks for sharing your vision and your way of looking at things. What is your specialty in, in this work? What do you offer? What are the tools and the things you do? My offering is called Crafting Your Equity Lens. So mm -hmm. it's part of the process. It's a three-day workshop that I take people through. The first day is introspection. The second day is a deeper connection through self-reflection. And the third day is crafting your equity lens and accountability. And so it's a process that I've come up with in being multimedia performance artist, being an educator, secondary high school educator for 15 years, working with other DEI folks, the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond, talking with them about you know, and I was super fortunate of working with folks who had been doing this for 40 plus years. But then I was like, why have you been doing this for 40 plus years? And so I've come up with something that actually starts with the individual. Implicit bias training, other trainings, et cetera, et cetera, are great. But they're not going to get to the root of someone changing their heart as well. Balancing mind, body, and spirit. And when I say spirit, I'm not talking about religious ideology, I'm talking about human spirit. Our human spirit, it needs to be connected to one another, wants to be connected to one another. But at the end of the day, a lot of folks are too tired to connect those, those ideas. Our curiosity is dampened, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm helping people craft a tool that they can use, and it's crafted from their own personal lived experience mm -hmm. so that they can use that in their life. I'm not coming in and telling you because I can. You want me to come in and look at your policies and procedures or your mission statement, tell you what words you should have in there, tell you this, tell you that. 
but then I'm doing the work for you. And then mm-hmm. also say, oh, that DEI stuff. Yeah, I do that at work. But the culture's mm-hmm. not changing. Nothing's happening with the culture. It's still driven by productivity. It's still driven by product. It's not driven by being humanity led. And how do we treat human beings in a human way, you know, instead of these numbers? And so crafting your own personal equity lens helps the individual first look at themselves and start the changes and the shifts there. And then we come back in a couple of months later and we'll turn those equity lenses onto the organization and start mm-hmm. working with folks from there. Onto the world. Yeah. Looking at the world in a different way, through a different lens. Exactly. I love how you how you bring your your wide ranging talents into that and your your skills and everything that you gain it you will bring it back together into this. I think that that's a huge part of it. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think that a lot of times the career mindset, climbing that ladder mm-hmm. kind of thing is a fixed mindset because we're so goal orientated and that we forget about the, the fail along the way, the first attempts in learning that we had. And that sometimes those first attempts in learning are meant to help our intrinsic motivation, our heart, our gut, our instincts to say, that's not the path. That's not your purpose. Go this way a little bit. Take all these things that the past has given you and be educated by them. Don't yeah. use them as a yoke of shame or guilt that, oh, I didn't learning. learning. Yeah. Yep. But actually learn from it. And sometimes it takes you in a whole new place and embrace that. What you are sharing right now, it's giving me goosebumps, but it's also reminding me of the tattoo that I have on my left uh, wrist, and that is Sankofa, right? It is the the Ghanaian proverb that is go back and fetch it. And the way that I use it is go back and use, you know, learn whatever it is, a valuable lesson that you learned from the past and bring it with you within the now, but also look into it from the future. And that's that's describing Mm. Sankofa all over. And What is it like for you to do this work? It's liberating. Yeah. It's liberating. Like I was saying at the very start, I really truly feel that just in the last like three to five years has the authentic me really stepped into this existence and started to tip the balance of like the side, the part of me that was shielding, protecting being gaslit constantly, not recognized that I was being gaslit, not understanding those things, that authentic me was buried inside underneath the status quo's ideas of who I was supposed to be and what I got bamboozled into believing about myself as well. And now I'm starting to unearth that coming up out of that through my own equity lens and helping others craft their own, that it's liberating doing this work. And yeah, there's days, you know, that it's like, Hmm. <laughs> your work is not my work and I don't know how else to say that but you know and yeah. be able to also for me I'm not in this to to make a whole bunch of money I'm in this so that seven generations from now they can mm-hmm. look back right and yeah. be like oh wow and giggle a little bit about it and be mm-hmm. like Look how we used to treat each other. True. We used to do that, right? And then they stand on their little portal thing and they zip across to another part of the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, Technology has taken us there, you know, and that we don't need money, that we understand that we all have 
the right to live. We don't need money, but we do need value. And we do mm -hmm. need to be valued. Mm. I just want to highlight that because to those who are listening, I know that Matthew said something about we don't need money. That doesn't mean that you can go approach one of us or any of our, our, our guest speakers with a low rate. Value all our guest speakers mm. with the rate that they are asking. That's it. Yes. Now, <laughs> where, where I was going with that is yeah. the next uh, I was talking seven generations from now. I wasn't talking about in this moment. We're not <laughs> I am just making it sure that people don't say, well, Matthew said this and that. I'm just making it sure because, you know, if you don't share any context, people might. Yep. yep. Respect. This is today. Well, well, the different question, but related. Yeah. What do you see about this decade? What do you see about the now in terms of this decade? Not today, but period. We're in. I think what I'm, for me personally, what I'm really seeing this decade and happening, especially with the youth, is that they're breaking the binary. The colonization and that mindset and that idea is based in a binary. For it to divide and conquer us, there can only be two sides and the gray may be in between. But it's, if there's too many multiple sides and too many different ways to look at things, then they can't leverage and keep us divided and in this state of division. So I see the youth nowadays, especially if we look at the queer community, right? LGBTQIA2+, they're not, it's not gay or lesbian. It's not gay, lesbian, or bi. It's not black and white, right and wrong, good and bad. It's, there's a whole there's so much more to us as a human being. And these younger generations are realizing that and are living it. And they're starting to break that binary. And when we break down that binary, I think we're going to get back to a time where we human beings were felt ourselves being more connected with the earth. And where, you know, at the end of the day, you smelled of dirt and hope. And it wasn't, you know, you smell of riding some sub train or some train or something that smells of human urine or whatever kind of thing. Why do you have like, to go that way? Like, <laughs> I'm a visual person and I. <laughs> well, I'm, let's, let's put a different visual in. I'm, I'm just, I was just picturing, a, a, you know, a, the binary being shattered into a kaleidoscope. Yeah. Yes. It's a much beautiful more. A more um, <laughs> at let's it. go with that more exactly. Inviting. I can imagine a kaleidoscope, <laughs> definitely. Imagine yeah. kaleidoscope. Not black and white, it's just boom, and there's a whole kaleidoscope. Yes, yeah, it's like looking at it's like looking at an emotion wheel, right? Yeah, Brene Brown's work there were three things happy, mad, and sad were the three things that thousands of people. Those are the three emotions that they came up with. They mm -hmm. only wrote down three things. Those three things. We are so much more than those three things. <laughs> yeah. the, we were more than that in the course of like 10 minutes. And, and it's like, I don't understand how we can sell ourselves so short and continue to do that. And I'm, the, I'm talking again of the greater we of humanity that we continue to allow ourselves to be bamboozled into this. And I don't think that we need to take up arms and and fight about it anymore. I, mm -hmm. I think that I think we 
when everything kicked off in Ukraine, when it first kicked off, for me at least, I felt with a lot of the stuff that I was seeing in social media and other places that people were like, really, this is how we're solving stuff still? And I think that that's part of the reason why some of the things that are happening in the United States are being covered up and quick, look over there. Don't look at what's happening over here, you know, because they realize this younger generation is like, no, we don't. Why are we doing this this way? It does not make sense. It doesn't compute. Hi, I'm Vivian Aqua, the Certified DEI Consultant, and I would like to invite you to take your organization to the next level of understanding by collaborating with me. I specialize in helping organizations amplify their DEI initiatives and foster an inclusive environment. Reach out today to learn how I can help your organization unleash its hidden potential and create a culture of belonging. What is the next step for you? Well, the immediate next step (laughs) is I have an open group coming up in a couple of weeks. I think for myself, I'm kind of, I've been playing around with this idea of pods. So there's an organization when the pandemic hit that they created what's called neighborhood pods. So basic idea, who are the people in your neighborhood? Who are your neighbors? They have a whole outline of this is how you put it together to find out if the person next door needs medication Mm -hmm. but can't get out of the house and you help Mm -hmm. them out, et cetera, et cetera. So when I was three years ago, when I was in Southern Oregon and these wildfires hit, we used that framework to Mm -hmm. help people who lost all of their stuff. And so now in helping people craft their equity lens, I want to start these spark pods. So Mm -hmm. these pods of folks that are going to spark each other so that we can get to the four C's. So spark us so that our curiosity is sparked. And once our curiosity starts rising to the surface, we start to be more creative. And when that creativity hits, we start to collaborate with others more. And when we start collaborating, there's that human connection that's made. So curiosity, creativity, collaboration, and connection. That's what I want. I want to start creating these pods that just start you will. doing that more. You so. will. Nice. You will. Oh, you I will. love that. And there's such yeah. a wish out there for that yeah. connection in this work and everywhere. Yeah. Yes, definitely. What do you believe in? I believe in me. And it's taken me 53 years, almost 54 years to be able to say that. I believe in me. And I want other people to say that as well before anything else, before your God or your goddess or the earth, or I want you to, I want people to firmly stand in their power and say, I believe in me. What led you to this? What led me to this is that Mm -hmm. my battle with my worth, me understanding how taking on when my cognitive brain wasn't at a place to be able to say, that's not my work, that's your work. And I took it on from people that I loved or were supposed to take care of me or provide these things or were in these positions of power as educators or teachers or preachers or whatever. But then they were abusive and they were feeding and stoking 
stereotypes and ideas about who I was and what I was when my brain couldn't say, no, that's, that's not me. And that's, it took those things in and created what I call shadow inside myself. And so over the years, I've been deconstructing shadow and looking at, oh, here's that past is the education and going, oh, that's where I got that from. That's the first place that I can see that shadow started to be created. And then as it grew, it started to feed that negative narrative back to myself on this loop. Whenever I, somebody would compliment me on my performances or, you know, want me to be a part of something that I thought was really personal and intimate and how could you ask me to do that, you know? And so having sloughed that off and made amends and know that shadow's there and it's a part of my lived experience and made friends with shadow. And now I can see shadow coming in certain situations. That whole idea, that process of going through that is what now I can start to say and just started saying, I'd say in the last two years, I believe in me. I am worthy. You are worthy. You're going to make me cry. You're going to make me cry because this, this, this definitely resonates with me. And also I've been on a similar journey as well. But in connection to what you just shared right now, I believe in me. How are you fueling yourself? How are you recharging yourself during this, this journey? Because it can be challenging along the way. So how are you reserving or recharging your batteries? I go into nature. It's part of the reason that I'm extremely fortunate that I am able to live on the big island of Hawaii. Yes, just just rub it in. I'm not. <laughs> just, just, just rub it in. Yeah, Maya, Line, and I, we are just in the Netherlands and it's cold. No, yeah, just rub but it soon in. Soon you'll have Vondel Park and you can go walk around and everything. Vondel mm-hmm. Park doesn't match up with you, what you have in Hawaii. I mean, I've seen your videos, I've seen the images that you share. Come on, come, on, come visit. I've got guest rooms. Come on. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what it's been. That's been the big one for me is to be able to. I believe in Japan, you there's tours that you can go on where you go and bathe in forests. Mm-hmm. So you bathe with the trees. And it's this whole idea of there are dopamine and serotonin that activate because of certain things that are in soil. So when we as humans used to dig in the soil and do, because we're of the soil, we're of stardust, we're made from stardust. That, that it was activating things within our system, right? Right now, they're saying to us, a little bit of a tangent, they're, they're saying that we as a species or as human beings are the most comfortable. We have the biggest or the uh, most comforting technologies and these things to connect us and da and ba. And it's not to take away from those things and those creations, But then I have to look at the other side of that, that Britain in 2019 created a minister of loneliness, that when the pandemic hit, mental health issues went off the chart, that all these things were actually started growing back in 2012, right? And so when I look at all of that, it's like, well, if we have all these creature comforts and we're supposed to all have this comfortable life, why did all these other things skyrocket? As we, and you're working. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like there's a disconnect somewhere. 
And that goes back to the four C's. Yeah. And that's what you're working on. That's what I'm working on. And that's why I like to go, like, don't tell anybody, but tomorrow I'm heading to the beach and I'm going to go and I'm going to sit in the water and I'm just going to stare at the horizon and I'm not rubbing it in. It's because. This- and, and I want you to do that because I want you to be you and I want you to have a, have a good life and I want you to do more of the great work you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And Vivian, that's the thing. I think that a lot of us who do this work, we don't have something like that. Well, I haven't found it yet. That's one of the reasons why we make this podcast, to, yeah. to inspire that and to help people find that. And, you know, this is your inspiration. And thank you for sharing that. Thank you. What inspiration would you like to send to our listeners? What do you, what the one thing that you have in mind, like, here, Take it it. I think what it is, is, is what you were just talking about, where this conversation just led. Find a circle, find a group, spark each other. I got that from Yursa Daly Ward in her book, How, The Great Meeting of Yourself. And she talks about sparking each other. And that sparking of each other leads us into those four C's. Who do you have in your life that is sparking you? And when they, when you find that group of people, when you have that human connection that continually gets severed, or for those of us doing this work, we're connected, but we're holding space for so many people. And there's, there's so many hats that we're whipping on and off throughout the course of a workshop or a day of working with folks. And then the emails afterwards that we get bombarded with and all these other things that are just taking, 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 taking. I want to be sparked by the folks that I have close to me so that the cup, my cup, the cup that I got to create that Matthew, the authentic Matthew created is overflowing. Mm -hmm. And that overflow is flowing out into other people. And that is what I'm serving others with. Hey, are you ready to rediscover focus, clarity, and resilience? So that you can be a stronger change maker for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I am Marie Langfleur. I'm a certified coach. And whether you're getting started in DEI or are further along in your journey, I can support you to take your work to the next level. With me as your ally, you can gain clarity on your next initiatives or career goals, make intentional choices, stay accountable to them, deal with the intensity of the work, and create real change. Let's talk. I'd love to learn more about you. Reach out, book a chat. I love that. It's not even filling your cup. It's overflowing. Only serve from the overflow of your cup. That is the only place that we should be serving from. Thank you. (laughs) I'm still feel very filled up by that. I'm going to ask you a question that wasn't on the list, but I do feel like I need to ask it because The next question, I already asked it in a different way. So when it doesn't come to this work, right, what is it, what is it that you do besides going to the beach, et cetera? What lights you up? And it doesn't have to be related to DEI because everything that you do besides this work also is fueling you, right? So what lights you up? Authenticity, like truly lights me up and I can... And it's taken me a while to let my instincts unarmor themselves from all the gaslighting that's happened over the years, that I trust my instincts. But boy, now when I'm 
when I go to a performance or when I'm fortunate enough to be in a classroom again with young adults, when I see a small child just like laughing or crying at the grocery store, just the authenticity and the realness of those moments, just that lights me up because I get to see a human being and all their faculties just living and being in the world because we are so multifaceted and we, we have the opportunity to truly be something much greater than what the dominant culture and status quo says that we are. And I'm, I'm, I treasure those moments when they happen. I'm, uh, I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> I Thank recognize you. that. Yeah. What I love about human beings. Yeah. Thank you. There's something I definitely want to mention in this episode, and that is, you know, people can can find you on Clubhouse. You have an amazing email list. You know, if you subscribe to Matthew's email list, you get nuggets of joy and wisdom and insight every week. And you have a book. I'm, I'm holding it up in case we take put this in a snippet of video. Biggest, fullest, brightest. It's amazing. It's a workbook. It's poetry. It's your personal story. It's journaling and learning and growing, both yours and everyone who reads it. I fold corners of the pages whenever there's a, a, a good quote, and there's so much beautiful language. Just like Vivian said, you, you're great with with mm-hmm. language and, and bringing things across. There's one here that I just, we talked about, you know, you are worthy and you can learn and you know a fail is first attempt in learning the the stuff that's on the page right here is is what you write we are worthy enough to fail that's a beautiful thing in this work you know for everyone in this corner we are worthy enough to fail and the other thing on the same page is now what you're going to do now that you know and it's not in the same, it's not even in the same paragraph, but having that on the same, on the same page, just, just a tiny snippet of this book, Biggest, Fullest, Brightest by Matthew Reynolds, um, warmly recommended. Now, do you have a recommendation for our listeners for things to read, to watch, to listen to, in addition to your book and your clubhouse and uh, your newsletter? Everything that the two of you are doing and putting out there in the world, I think is hugely impactful, has been on my journey and what I've been doing. Letting people know that they spark you when you can, as you guys have. And I feel that the 1619 Project, something yeah. that people, for those who are who are just maybe starting to embark on this journey or get into this or are feeling drawn to doing this work, I think that the 1619 Project is a a really powerful place to start that helps. Say a bit more about it. The 1619 Project was put together by several different Black academics, poets, et cetera, et cetera, here in the United States. And The idea is that slavery started in 1619 is when it started. And the history books, as we know, in the United States, chooses what it wants to say and how it wants to share. 
so there's it's really thick with story and perspective and poetry and beautiful language and there's a podcast that comes with it and it was the new york times that pulled together all these folks and had them come together to create this project to get the truth out there and once we know the truth and we're able to to process that we start to go oh yeah that's not mine to hold on to i'm not that how much of my thinking is my thinking? Oh, now that I know this, my shift in consciousness is starting to happen and I'm starting to see these other things. It's not this shame and guilt thing. It's being given the truth. And once people have the truth, they can start to heal. I also love this book. I haven't read it, but I've seen the children's version of it. And I love the way that this has been rewritten to make it also consumable for kids. And they're stamped. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's Ibram X. Kendi's line of work. In 1619, he's a contributor to that, but he's not the, the, the forefront of it. But yeah, there's, there's, there's things out there that people are fighting really hard to make sure that it's not part of people's learning anymore. And mm-hmm. I just don't fathom that. So dive in, start to find the truth, get out there, look for it, find your truth and speak your truth. Don't let any other, anybody else speak for you. Thank you. We have reached to our last question. What is something that you want to share with our listeners? What you haven't shared, but it's so important for people to remember. That I haven't shared. Yeah. <laughs> well, if there's something you want to repeat. Or maybe you wish you had you known when you started this journey. So there's been, when I really look at the past as my education and I see how things have built and, and changed and looked at it, I really believe in being humanity-led. I think that there's so much out there that doesn't allow that to be at the forefront anymore. Yeah. That it's it's so much of them over there, that there, those people, that happening, et cetera, et cetera, that folks are desensitized. You know, it's the idea of the singular story, right? It's like, I know everything about you because of the clothes you're wearing or your facial features or the car you drive or what neighborhood you live in, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to meet you. I don't need to have a conversation with you. And yet that's what we are. We are social creatures. And we should be meeting one another. And people are like, oh, I'm an introvert and I'm this and I'm that. But introverts still want to know who the other introverts are so that they can have a group. No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) But I I would invite people to to really look at that idea of being humanity-led would really, I want people to try to understand what that means for them when they say that. If I'm to say, I want to be humanity-led, what does that mean for me? Because don't let me define it, because it mind shifts constantly. One of the bigger ones is when people are like, well, equity means this. And it's like, well, to me, equity means being humanity-led. And then that starts the conversation. And the conversation is, just as much listening as it is speaking. Yeah. 
and reflecting what does it mean to you authentically Mm -hmm. i always talk about creating your own dei recipe where you have the individual recipe and then you have a team recipe and but you also have a organizational recipe right where you include some of the elements of the individual and the team and what you are saying is is almost the same or similar to that that my equity it cannot be the same as my line or as yours and that that's something that a lot of people need to need to embrace more and really quickly to me that's true diversity yeah well people want to stick with these physical attributes oh. <laughs> and it's like yeah. no, the true diversity is that each of us have our own lived experience and when we can bring that authentic experience to any situation that we're in and truly be present that's where the human connection starts to really spark and then there's all kinds of stuff that happens from there thank you for that yeah vivian Thank you for for this conversation. Like I said, it's hard to have you as a guest speaker because <laughs> I would really, I always love to be a fly on the wall and just listen to what you have to say. And now I'm I'm in this phase where I am processing what is happening. But thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing the behind the scenes of who is Matthew mm-hmm. as a DEI professional, but also inspiring so many other people. Raylan, do you have something to add? I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> You're in a similar phase. <laughs> yeah, this, this, there's always so much to process. Yeah. When, when, yeah. When, when you, I was going to say, when we talk with you, but when you were involved, I mean, it's also yeah. reading your book and, and, and emailing you and getting emails from you. And yeah, yeah. Are you aligned? Connecting you. with you. That's yeah. the word. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. thank you. And thank you for making this episode, for having made this episode with us. I'm really happy that we can get to share this more widely and send this out to more people to to get to know you too. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. For the people who are listening, please connect with Matthew whatever way you can, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or go on his clubhouse. Make sure that if you're interested, make sure that you support Matthew by buying the book. And I hope to challenge, put out a challenge for Matthew, is having the book as an audiobook for those who learn differently and would love to, to hear your voice in it as well. Challenge Good. accepted. Okay. Good one. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You're warmly invited to pause for a moment and think about what stood out to you from this conversation. Please share this episode with others to inspire them too. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack channel. We'll be back soon with more episodes. Be well, take care, and stay connected.